Well, this is an exciting morning, and um, Yvonne and I met our guest, Jeff, many years ago, 1999, I think it was, at a children's pastors conference in far off California. I remember calling home and saying, if they don't offer us anything else at this conference, we will have been blessed thoroughly um, by this guy. He was an extraordinary storyteller, a dancer, a singer, and he does this thing with dowel rods. That guy became my mentor, a prayer partner, a dear friend who consistently points me to Jesus and the desire of the Holy Spirit to work in and through each of us. One day, God led Jeff to create an amazing craft, the dowel rods. And many of you will remember Jeff from previous visits to our children's ministry and to the grand opening of our church here uh, on Kearney Drive. And you will also remember, many of your grown children will remember um, doing dowel rods um, and that experience, especially Arise My Love on Easter Sunday and 200 children at the Sky Dome uh, for kids' games. Jeff founded Salt and Life Ministries and is celebrating 30 years of bringing God's word through the art of storytelling, music, signing, and his God rod creation to those in leadership, to those in churches and children, literally all around the world. Over the years, our families have become good friends, and I could tell you many stories of happiness that we have shared with this man from Virginia and his family. He's a brand new grandpa. <laughs> so he's building children's ministry. But you can check out that story on his website because I want him to have every single moment that has been given to him. Jeff, I am so happy on behalf of our Forestbrook family to welcome you back to Forestbrook and to Canada. May the Lord bless you this morning as you bring his word to us and give us the opportunity to bump into Jesus. Welcome. <laughs> Good morning. It's lovely to be back. I don't know if you know the, uh, Kathy filled you in a little bit on our background. Um, by the way, I call the Dow Rods, the Dow Rods are a unique part and story that I won't go into this morning. But the Dow Rods, I call them God Rods because I got tired of being introduced as the guy who does Dow Movement. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we got to something, something with that. That's got to change. Um, but uh, I sell it. Thank you, Kevin. Let's hear it for Kevin. 30 years, 30 years of ministry, uh, and it has been such a joyride. Uh, Etheridge wrote a book called Following the Wild Goose, and that's been my life experience. 30 years, I was in the Army, and uh, I was in the um, uh, United States military for eight years, and then resigned my commission to start a full-time ministry in 1988. So 2018, May 31st, was my 30th year uh, of following God. No, no uh, ongoing support, just out there doing creative ministries in the church. Yeah. Wow. When I look back at it now, I'm like, only God. Only God. And so my story has become one, uh, a testimony of God's faithfulness. You'll never experience the faithfulness of God unless you walk in faith. You'll never experience it. You'll never know it. You can talk about it, but you'll never really know it until you're put in a situation where you have to 
uh, experience. And to do that, and I think I, meant, uh, I preached this sermon about getting out of the boat and stepping out in the water. And Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. But I am here to talk about something powerful that I've learned over 30 years of ministry. And it is something that all of us have in our toolbox, our arsenal of gifts and abilities to change the world, to transform culture. And it's the power of your story. Everyone in this room has a story. Why talk about it in a scriptural context? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an account of your hope. How many of you this morning have a hope? Amen. You have a hope. Are you prepared to give an account? That account is your story. Why is story so powerful? Why is it powerful? I have a master's degree in storytelling. And I'm going to drop a load of knowledge on you right now. I'm going to drop a three-year degree on you right now. You will be masters of storytelling in, in just a short period of time. Please don't thank me. It's the least I can do. I bring gifts. I bring gifts. Story has a beginning, middle, and an end. Thank you. Thank you very much. Story has a beginning, middle, and end. But that's not why it's powerful. It's powerful because it's in your DNA. Because you know, you really know once upon a time. We love once upon a time. Don't you love as soon as, by the way, you might want to take note. Uh, my, 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 one of my degrees is in communication. And I spend a lot of time not, not critiquing communicators, but critiquing their effectiveness with an audience. When do audiences engage and disengage? Like right now, I'm talking too much. Well, we're going to get rid of that in a second, okay? Those of you that don't know me, just put your safety belts on. It's going to be a wild morning. Uh, I, I requested that the kids be in service this morning. So uh, I'm glad you're here, kids. We're going to have a great time opening up the Word of God this morning. But in your spirit, you know this once upon a time because in the beginning, God created. It's in your DNA to know that. In the beginning. And that's once upon a time. And then story has, and I could go into the whole process of story structure, uh, a conflict. Anybody have conflict in their lives? You can relate to conflict. Drama. Drama, the nature of drama is conflict. We have that all the time. But guess what? The end of the story is happily ever after. Don't you know that? I went to a movie with my wife uh, and some friends uh, last year, La La Land. Anybody seen the movie La La Land? Okay, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great movie, it was a good uh, kind of uh, event, musical, so I went there with my wife, and uh, the guys, we got like, yeah, that was fun, that was cool, we liked the singing, we liked the dancing, and the girls were like, we hated that movie! Why? Why, do you, why did the women especially hate that movie? The guy doesn't get the girl! It doesn't end up happily ever after, and in your being, you're like, that's wrong! That's just wrong! I'm not satisfied with that! You don't go to a movie to hear unhappy endings. <laughs> you want to know how, why? Because it's your spiritual DNA. You know that the story ends up happily ever after. And so that's the story you want to hear because it resonates with your soul. Nothing, nothing is more powerful than your story. And so have you developed your story in a way that you can present it as your hope? Well, let's talk about that. It has a beginning, middle, and an end. Your story has a once upon a time, and then some conflict and drama, and then a happily ever after. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. This is who I was. This is what happened to me. 
and this is who I am now. That is your testimony. That is a beginning, middle, and an end. And you need to, your assignment today, and I'll be back in 10 years, because <laughs> it took me 10 years to get back this time. I don't know what I said, but you know, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Um, I want you to have your testimony prepared. You should be able to present your testimony in three minutes, and the structure is very simple. And I'm going to give you biblical models of this. It has once upon a time a beginning. This is who I was. This is what happened to me. This is who I am now. How many of you remember the song Love Lifted Me? The old hymn? You remember that? Oh. Oh, we're going old school. All oh, 60s and above only raised their hands there. Well, let me fill you in. Let me fill you. You got that. Okay. You know how the song goes. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master, okay, up to there, what do we got? This is who I was. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. Then what happened? The master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now, who am I now? Safe am I. And then the chorus goes, love lifted me. Okay, the three of you that know it. <laughs> when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, even me. That's good. When? Oh, did you hear the retard at the end? Lovely. Lovely. Uh, Kevin, I hope you were leading that. I want them to hear you sing so badly. So, here's where we're going. If you have your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 9. Paul's conversion. Paul's story of transformation and change happens three times in the book of Acts. Paul shares his testimony three times in the book of Acts. It's always the same thing. This is who I was, this is what happened, and this is who I am now. Once he shared at conversion, once was the story that he shared with Ananias, one was to Jews and one was to Gentiles. Chapter 22, chapter 26, but we're looking in chapter 9. Let me read, starting in verse 1. Meanwhile, and this is Paul's testimony. Saul was standing breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is who he was. This is what happened. The men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, verse 10, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him, saying in a vision... Ananias, yes, Lord, he said. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, oh, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. 
Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. The story of Saul's conversion, which became his testimony in chapter 22 and 26. He almost repeats it verbatim. So we're going to look at that story in a different way. We're going to do, Kevin, come on up. Where's Jeff? Jeff, come on up here. We're going to tell the story of uh, Saul. Uh, and I have volunteers. Did I mention I was in the army? I know exactly how to volunteer people. Um, I need, uh, what's this guy's name right here? Todd, Todd, come on up here. Caleb. Caleb, this little guy in the white shirt? The short one is Caleb. Yeah, oh yeah. But Todd, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you. But Caleb, come on over here, brother. I like, I like it. Caleb is going to be responsible for the signs and wonders. Well, just the signs. Okay, come on over here, Caleb. Now, we're going to do one at a time. I don't know, they're kind of uh, awkwardly shaped, so you might want to leave them down there and pick up one at a time. So pick that first one up. Here's your job, is to reply to what, oh, Caleb, your style is awesome. You shine like the sun. Todd, is this guy in acting? He should be. I see a vision. Okay, so everybody say what's on Caleb's sign. See, the miracle has occurred. The wonder has happened. I gave you the sign. You responded back. That's a wonder. So, uh, when I call for a sign, you're going to hold that up, okay? Kevin, you're going to be, and uh, you're just going to talk loudly because I didn't coordinate for microphones. Yep. That's bad on me. Uh, but it's okay because you're nice and loud. And uh, Jeffrey, yes. you're, going to be, you're going to be Saul. Yes. And Kevin, you get to be Jesus. Sweet. This will be the only time this actually happens. <laughs> Jeff, come on over here. Sweet. Jeff. And thank wait, you. Wait. Jesus got crucified. Yeah, yeah. That's his way after that. Yeah, but he also rose again, so that's good news. Um, okay, so we've got sign. Now, we, I, I have to give you all responses. When I put my first finger up, well, number one, you're going to give me the sign of uh, an engine revving its, uh, a car revving its engine. Ready? Okay, I'm a little impressed, a little surprised. That was good. That was good. Number two, you put on the brakes to the engine. Go. Lovely. Number three, you run into a wall. It's a crash. Go. Awesome. And Yvonne, you are the horn, the beep beep, the horn beep beep. So when I point to you, you just have to make a nice loud beep beep. Good, Yvonne. Okay, very good. All right, I think we got everything. We got uh, Jesus. We've got uh, uh, Paul. And I'll be Ananias. Okay? And, uh, and we got our sign stealer. Okay, we're ready to go. This is the story of Paul's testimony. It's about a man and his car. He rode in a fast lane and he drove like he owned the road. And like most men that drive, he never asked for directions. He thought he knew the way. He should have been watching the roadsides. His name was Saul. I drive an Omni manufactured by Dodge. Saul... <laughs> Saul loved his Omni, and he hated Chryslers. <laughs> actually, most American audiences don't get that right away. They're like, <laughs> 10 minutes later, ah! And anyone who drove them, Saul said, I will run them off the highways to heaven. One night he was driving his Dodge Omni to Damascus in hot pursuit of Chryslers. 
Suddenly, he was blinded by the high beam of an unidentified motorist driving a Dodge Spirit. He hit the brakes to avoid the Spirit. But the light was so bright, he veered off the road and crashed into a stone wall. Not just any stone wall, it was the living stone wall, the stone wall the builders rejected. Saul thought he might be dead. Oh. Am I dead? No, but you should be. You're going the wrong way. You're going the sign. Wrong way. That's how that's going to work, okay? I didn't explain that. Yeah. Work with us. Try to keep up. Okay. Then Saul said, Who are you? My name is Jesus. I'm the one you persecute. You're at an intersection in your life. A wrong turn here leads to a sign. Sign. <laughs> yes. An ambulance is on the way. They will take you to Damascus. Someone will attend to you there. What about my car? No more driving until you get some direction. Now in Damascus, there was a man named Ananias who drove a Chrysler. Jesus told him to go and speak to Saul, but to sign. Jesus said, He's taking a little sign. That's going to force him to sign. So Ananias went to the house of Judas on Straight Street and found Saul, who told him everything that had happened. I need an extra five minutes. That took five minutes for her to respond to that. Okay. Ananias said, if sign to God, he will show you sign. Then something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see. That's when he began to sign to God's voice and obey the signs. You are going to get a new car. It's called a PT Cruiser. Oh, there was a little hatred in that. <laughs> PT stands for Paul of Tarsus Cruiser. Who makes it? Chrysler. Remember, if you're going the wrong way, sign. And get some directions before you crash. Good job. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> awesome. Did you see the ad-libbing going on over here? I'm telling you, brother, watch him. Watch him. I never thought I had a testimony because I didn't have a gory-to-glory -glory story. I didn't have one of those dramatic conversions. Uh, I, so I wrote a song about my testimony. Uh, I was just a young boy when I was saved from hell, but you can't preach a story about that very well. Simple kind of grace is an easy kind of tale. Thank God I was a Christian boy. Well, I never was one of them hard-hearted fools. Well, a lot of church folks thinking that's a mighty cool. But I never saw it much as a witness to living life as a Christian boy. Well, I didn't do drugs, didn't smoke cigarettes, didn't cuss like a sailor. Have I bored you all yet? <laughs> sure, I did a few things I regret living life as a Christian boy. 
Well, a wild-eyed preacher came to church one day, and he had a testimony that would blow you all away. The kids hung on to every word he'd say. He wasn't a Christian boy. He was a wild-eyed fool and a low-lying bum. His mama was a drunk and his daddy was a scum. I never heard the likes of it from where I'd come from, living life as a Christian boy. Well, I didn't do drugs, didn't smoke cigarettes, didn't cuss like a... Oh, didn't do drugs and I didn't do booze. Story like that will make an audience snooze. What do you say to make a young man choose to live life as a Christian boy? Well, I left that night with a mighty long face and a strange kind of notion about love and grace. I wondered if that preacher would have taken my place living life as a Christian boy. Well, I know it's going to sound just a wee bit odd, but I had to have a little conversation with God. Told him that I felt just a wee bit raw, living life as a Christian boy. Well, I made good grades and I made it through school, but I can't use that as a witnessing tool. <laughs> kind of got the feeling I've been taken for a fool, living life as a Christian boy. But the Lord said, son, now for what it's worth, you're no different than anyone on earth. All of you are sinners from the day of your birth, so thank God you was a Christian boy. It's a fact, and son, you should know it well. Any little sin will send you straight to hell. I died for you and a preacher man as well, so thank God you was a Christian boy. Sin hurts hard like a truck or a train. Knowing me young will save you lots of pain. You got a testimony and you shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah, That's my testimony. So thank God I was a Christian boy. That's it. That's right. It's the only way I can get you to clap. I'll do it. <laughs> um, so... I learned that, you know, my testimony was just as valuable as anyone else's. Um, I want to go, I just want to talk about that. So you have a testimony, it's powerful. You need to be aware of it. You can structure it. You, could pre you need to be able to present it uh, as a, a, a sign of your great hope. Uh, also, you need to understand just a little bit, perhaps, and I'm sure everybody does here, but just because you're parked in a garage doesn't make you a car. So you need to also understand the Roman road or the plan of salvation. So I need nine kids up onto this stage. Nine kids. Nine, if nine kids want to volunteer to come on up into this stage, they have to be able to hold a sign. So bigger, better. Yeah, come on up here, guys. I need nine of you. So the faster you get up here, the better. Come on. Let's hear for the kids. All right. You guys look great. I see one, two, three, four, five, six. That means I'm going to start pulling adults out. There you go. Come on up here, sunshine. Anybody else want to help me? That's seven. That's seven. Caleb, I might have. Oh, Todd, come on up here, Todd. Let's see if you got what your son has. And Amy. Come on up here, Amy. Okay. Would you guys get in a long line? Get in a long line behind me, facing the audience. Everybody get in a long line. Spread out all the way down here. All the way down here. Amy, would you go to the other end, please? You can help me structure this mess. All right. S A. L, V, now keep those facing out. Don't turn them over because there's secret codes behind the S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Do you know the plan of salvation so that you can present it as part of your testimony? Well, I'm sure you do. I uh, just want to ask you some questions then. Salvation, what does it mean to be saved? Well, let's look at this letter right here. Can we be saved with this? Can we be saved with giving and money? Can we, be, can we buy our way into heaven? That's pretty obvious. Is it good to tithe? Absolutely. And tithing is not for God because he doesn't need your money. And I don't need to preach that sermon. But money won't get you saved. So you get to sit down. But don't worry. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. I know all things. 
you don't understand. Knowing Kathy Ribble means you know the mother load. <laughs> it, was like, it was like Columbus finding America, honestly, for me. It was awesome. Okay. All right, keep those up there. What, what did you, oh, you have a picture on the back of yours. What about this? Can the Bible save us? Can the Bible save us? Can reading the Bible save us? Will reading the Bible save us? Oh, it's not a bad thing. Absolutely, it's not a bad thing at all. It's a great thing. You should be reading the Bible every day. But if I open up the Bible and read Jesus wept, am I being saved? No, no. The plan of salvation is clearly marked out. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him, of course. The Bible will give you the information you need to know, but it won't save you by reading it. And so what's your name, hero? Clinton. No. Trenton. Trenton. I'm glad it's not Clinton. Uh, you have a seat over there. I would hate to not like you for no reason at all. <laughs> all right, move in. Move in. Uh-huh. What's that? The church. Are you saved because you're here today? Are you saved when you walk into this building? Oh, of course not. These are things you know, but I mean, maybe we're presenting it in a different way today. No, being in the church won't save you any more than being in a garage makes you a car. So being in church, what's your name? Well, it's very for Jesus, but most people call me DJ. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share? Uh, no, that's good. Thanks, BJ. All right. All right, let's see. Ah, here's a prize. Can we get saved by praying? No, we can't be saved by praying. Praying won't save us. Of course, praying is good. Isn't praying good? Yeah, praying's very good. We need to pray. But I could pray over the lips and through the gums. Look, I'll tell me because here it comes and I'm not saved. All right? So you get to sit down too. And thank you for your... What's your name? Ava. That's beautiful. And I, I would like a granddaughter too. A granddaughter like Ava. Do you dance, Ava? You look like a dancer. <laughs> So much talent. I'm sure Amy has told you this, but, or not Amy, well, Amy probably too, but Kathy and Yvonne, children are not to church tomorrow, and if you think that way, they won't be here tomorrow, so work with that. <laughs> All right, what do we got left over, guys? Slain. Salvation happens because somebody, something is slain. It used to be a whole system where animal sacrifices had to be slain for us to be reconciled to God because we got a problem with sin. Oh, my God. But God so loved the world... Uh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should accept him as being slain. Oops, I forgot something. There was an animal that was sacrificed. It was the Lamb of God, metaphorically speaking. Turn those over, guys. Turn those over. Jesus was the Lamb that was slain for our sacrifices, so that the sacrificial system and the whole sacrifice idea was done once and for all. And through the blood of Jesus, we can be saved. So turn us back over. <laughs> Um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who should ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Some people accept that, some people do not. So you guys have a seat. Here's the problem. Yeah, good job, guys. You were upstaging me. You were upstaging me. <laughs> What's the problem? What do we have a problem with? Sin. You know, as a children's pastor, I found this very interesting. When you ask a child what sin is, they talk about something they do. Do you think that way? Do you think sin is the things you do? Sin is who you are. Sin nature is who you are. So you need saved just because you're you. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, it does, but not in regards to sin. Uh, so some will be saved, 
some will not. Some will accept, some will not. I am saved. How about you? All right? Have a seat, guys. Good job. Oh. And so your testimony is your story. And story is the most powerful form of communication that you have. Put your testimony into that story. This is who I was. This is what happened to me. This is who I am now, three minutes or less. Share your story. Be prepared to share the gospel. Know how to share what it means to be saved. I have been absolutely transformed and changed. And I'm sure all of you have similar testimonies and stories about how God has so radically impacted your life. I find that as I continue to be saved, as I continue to be saved, I'm growing closer and closer and closer to God and becoming more and more, I hope, like the person of Jesus Christ. Because that is the process of sanctification, which salvation is part, we're saved by justification, but we continue to be saved every day in sanctification. So I want to share this song with you, my story, my testimony, my faith journey, um, being able to share it. Go ahead and put that song on there. And we'll close with this this morning. And I would just challenge you as I'm singing this song, think about the power of your story. Be prepared to share it according to 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready based on that structure that I gave you. Go ahead. Can I get just a little more in the monitor, please? If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. If I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sins of when justice was served. And where mercy wins, oh, the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. If I told you my story, you would hear victory. Over the enemy. If I told you my story, you would hear freedom that was won for me. And if I told you my story, you would hear life overcome the grave. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin. Of when justice was served and where mercy wins, 
Oh, the kindness of Jesus that calls me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of Him. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long of the grace that is greater than all my sin of when justice was served and when mercy wins oh the kindness of jesus that draws me in oh to tell you my story is to tell of my song praising my Savior all the day long 